Welcome to Talent Surgery, episode two. Um, I'm Steve Jacobs. This is... Uh, Yasser Ahmed. Uh, <laughs> nearly forgot, forgot my that. name there. <laughs> and we are joined today with Christine Ng. Uh, Christine, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Christine from Quantum Motion. Um, I have spent the last 10 years in recruitment working across a variety of companies of different shapes and sizes, um, ranging from Yieldify, which is a high-growth startup, FT more recently, and Quantum Motion, which is a 27-person uh, small hardware computing Very startup. Very cool. Nice. Very, very cool. Very cool. So thank you for joining us. Yes. Yeah, likewise. This is really professional. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. it is, isn't it? We love it. Um, and you brought us gifts. Yes. I can't believe it. This is like only our episode two and someone brought us gifts. I, I really love that. open one. I, I think we should. Okay. All we should. open one. Right? Yeah. I, I just want to say that we're not sponsored by them. So No. Uh, what did you bring us? We should be. So it's kombucha. Um, so I got really ill over the summer and I started focusing on gut health and okay. kombucha came up as one of the key things to um, help with gut health. So Do they want to hear that? Yeah. <laughs> not beers at 9 a.m., by the way. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Just sparkling ginger. Yeah. Okay. A strawberry and pineapple for me. It's actually really nice. Mm. Kombucha warehouse. Oh, very nice. Thank you. Yeah, I got that. That hit my throat good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, thank you so much. And, and um, you mentioned your uh, quantum motion, mm -hmm. right? And your job title there? Is head of talent and media. What does that mean, media? <laughs> I yeah. know, I get that a lot. Just throw on there. I get that a lot. So talent, of course, um, encompasses like TA, um, talent management as well at the moment. And the media part initially set out to be more employer brand. But I actually manage everything from Twitter and LinkedIn. Oh. Um, so effectively, I run social media as well. Um, and I think when I interviewed for the role, I made it very clear I am not a social media person, but right. what right. I, I can approach it from a candidate perspective. And right. because no one else is doing it, I effectively now run everything social. So does that mean you do the employee branding side yeah. and the marketing for the business? Uh, yeah, but the thing is, because we don't have a product yet, we're still in research and development phase. So the marketing is really um, technical papers and the write-ups that a team comes up with. Um, and actually, I also coordinate our PR. So, but we have a PR agency that's dedicated to you know contacting media agencies and whatnot. So I coordinate all the little bits in between. Isn't that's just skills travel? Do you have a clash <laughs> with marketing because of that? Yeah. I, we don't have a marketing team, oh, though. Right. That's the you, thing. So the I have CMO as well. Pretty basically. much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so learning a lot along the way. I love that ownership. That's <laughs> evidence. If you're in the recruitment space, yeah. the transferable skills are yeah. insane, right? Yeah. So you do marketing, PR, and yeah. Talent acquisition, employer branding, and everything yeah, else. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. And you see it as well because when you're looking at the analytics and the followers on LinkedIn, you see candidates who like the page. Yeah. And you're like, actually, I saw them apply as well, like two days later. So you can kind of see the trend mm. from yeah. people following your page and then converting to an applicant later on. So yeah, it's quite nice to see the whole holistic overview. So yeah. talent marketing, right? Yeah, that's really cool. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Um, is this? Media. So how, how long have you been with Quantumation? Uh, a year and four or five months. It feels way shorter than that because when I joined last year, it was during, uh, well, I say we're still hybrid at the time and fully remote. And because it's a whole new industry, I think the first six months was pretty much just getting up to speed, trying to figure out what they actually do. Yeah. And I felt like I was in a front row seat of a physics lecture most of the time because I was the first non-technical person um, or first non-technical hire. So it really, I only felt part of the team this January, this year. And yeah. <clears throat> so for those who don't know, yeah. me included, <laughs> quantum motion is around uh, about quantum computing, yeah. right? Yeah. What, what does that mean? <laughs> what is quantum computing? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, I will try to say it in the most non-technical way, not that I'm technical at all. So classical computers, which is what we use right now, yeah. um, your phones, our, our laptops, operate in a very kind of binary way, ones and zeros, right? And in quantum computing, what's meant to happen is there's a third state, what they call superposition, which is one and zeros at the same time. Huh. So what is a use case of that? Um, it would be something like um, banks have started acquiring quantum computers. The MOD just acquired a quantum computer as well. So it would be things like breaking cryptography. 
So let's say at the moment, if you want to break into a, a phone or a password, it takes, I don't know, three months, right? Because of all the different algorithms and all the different patterns. But with a working quantum computer, it'll take three seconds. So makes sense why the yeah, yeah yeah so you would think companies who need these massive well who are dealing with massive data sets like in banks when you're dealing with you know high frequency trading um, drug discovery protein yeah. discovery uh, modeling and whatnot these are the kind of use cases I think for quantum computing but how do you stop hackers getting a, getting a hold of it yeah yeah that is a good that's question something like, yeah that's a good question and I think you know you see things like you know, Bitcoin and whatnot but I think you know being in this industry for a bit these are purely academics right and I like to think in academics they've got really strong academic integrity <laughs> so you know at some point maybe when it's open source and it's out there in the open you don't know what's going to happen but at the moment the whole industry is still very nascent so it's still very much an r&d and it's still very I could, it's still very in a very small group of people are, are working okay. on this kind of like when DeepMind was very small yeah, and kind of just, yeah at the time yeah. yeah so I don't know maybe 10 years from now we'll see what um, very interesting yeah like I'm learning every day and I think that's what keeps me uh, going I, I ask questions like why is this what exactly what is quantum computing why are we doing it this way yeah. and I think working in web development for the last 10 years I always put software developers on a pedestal mm. but with this group of people, they code for fun. So they'd be doing things in the lab and experimentation work and they'd be like, okay, well, we'll run into a problem and they just hack some Python code in five minutes Brilliant. in order to automate something. You're like, how, how, wow. what? how do you do that? It's the kind of stuff you see in the movies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that must incredible. be so motivating though. It is. Around it is. And type of environment. It is. And over lunch, you know, you're talking about and anything super technical. They talk about how CCTV was first built um, in MIT, apparently from physicists who wanted to monitor their coffee machine, yeah. right? So you learn all these really random things, uh, but I love it. I, I think, you know, when you're working in tech and you're you're working with such incredible people, it just motivates you to, mm. to Is this, do I mean, well, it sounds like, uh, but uh, you know, putting quantum motion on the spot here, is this your favorite job? <laughs> yeah, well, yes it is. I And you know, I, I loved every single role I've been in. And I think, you know, looking back at my career, every opportunity that came is always, for a reason for me to learn about a new industry. Like I've never stayed in the same um, industry. And I think the thing with quantum motion is having the autonomy and from my role, not just doing talent, but like also doing all these other different elements, but actually just being in the deep end with the team and seeing what they're doing um, has been incredible. And I think also being mission driven and knowing that the impact of the work that we're gonna do is ultimately yeah. gonna impact things like drug discovery, so it's, it's, it's gonna be incredible. And also, you know, at the moment we have the cost of living crisis, energy crisis, what we're also gonna do is impact um, how everything's gonna be stored in the future. So our work is pretty much, well, our thesis is storage can be in, um, held in the size of a chip, like a three millimeter chip. So actually we have a chip design team as well. So imagine how data storage is going right now. You've got massive data centers, lots of energy usage, right? Everyone's online. Everyone's storing all this random information yeah. everywhere. But in the future, if everything can just be in a really, really small So this chip, is the future of hardware. It's going to be the future of hardware. So in the future, like you, you're going to um, power everything with, I don't know, 100x less energy than what's going to be used, like what we're using right now. That's going to impact like how wow. we're going to change. Like That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. they, if they're able to reduce the size of, you know, an electricity box in a house. Or even build. Or even bills, yes. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome because then I've yeah. got more space to basically put do in you, my cupboard. I always <laughs> yeah. feel like you get a new laptop, yeah. you get a new MacBook, yeah. and it's still just as slow as the last one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the software is bigger and bigger. Yeah. Or are we slowing down as we get older? <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> it, right? Yeah. But it's just so interesting. Like I got my iPhone, and if I rewind back to, what, 10 years ago when I had my first phone, I'd significantly less 500 meg yeah, yeah. what now, phone was it i can't even remember it's like a Nokia. Wanna, it was one ones. of those uh ones. <laughs> let's say a blackberry oh blackberry. God, i love a blackberry you know the blackberries yeah i know they have the little yeah, 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 yeah. i used to have one of those and now i've got like 500 gig on my phone but i'm using it all up yeah. Ten thousand photos and i won a competition once and um it was a newspaper competition and the prize. No, it was, an, it was as in it was. I don't want to say the name of the actual newspaper. You see, I'm embarrassed. Uh, but I entered this competition, yeah. and um, I won two things. I won a moped, which was completely random. I don't. I sold the moped. I didn't need right. it. But the phone that I got was one of the most. It was there an original camera phone, except it. So it was. Um, I think it was orange, and you had to connect the camera piece separately oh to the bottom 
of the of the like you had to clip it yeah. in and it was wow. it was so funny wow like 0 0.9 megapixel you know like really old it's it's like when you think back on it i know it's going to sound very old but like the technology is just insane yeah. just yeah. talking about what you've just yeah. mentioned there and even now like this week we've seen I've just seen an influx of those AI pictures. Oh, yeah. We should put the AI It picture. seems yeah, to be a yeah. big trend at the moment, yeah. right? Like, Everybody yeah. put the AI picture. I remember you mentioning it two yeah. weeks ago, and I'm thinking, what is he talking about? And then that's it. My feed is constant AI pictures, yeah. people looking so buff. and. Like, <laughs> but you got to question why are people, very people put, putting their own photos online? Like, where is it going? You know, I always can ask myself that. I guess it's I, fun. I, I, think, I think AI will get to a point where we can... You know, we don't need to do this podcast yeah. to do it for us. The deep fake element of yeah. it. Oh my God, that's and scary. And the, the AI chats that you can see now. Yeah. I was reading about, it's called chat something. Yes, um, and this whole GPT-3, yes. yeah, that was yes. the last one. And then how, what happens is the initial, uh, I'm not an expert on yeah. this, so I'm probably butchering the whole explanation, but um, the AI creates the chat and then there's like a, a check where it kind of checks if it's, human or not yeah. and basically it only allows the chat that passes this kind of test where yeah. it's like okay this is good enough to be human yeah so um if you think about it it's just getting more and more sophisticated yeah. eventually the script the, the the language you already see on tiktok you can see like yeah. you know use captions and it speaks on your behalf and it's the voice sounds so real yeah. how, how how much time before me and you don't need to do this no i know <laughs> i can't wait <laughs> it'd be so much cheaper <laughs> And time would stand still as well. It'll be you ten years ago. Yeah. Like your image. Okay. Speaking of your AI, we may have a an AI specialist on uh, one of our episodes very soon. <laughs> Teaser. Teaser. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just jumping into some of the questions around your role and your history, especially as a talent acquisition professional. Yeah. Um, we usually like to ask this question. I think this is the second episode, so it's not usually, but <laughs> um, what's your favorite productivity hack as a talent acquisition professional? Yeah, good question. I mean, I use a variety of different things, but definitely um, when I started out, Boomerang was great. So it's a kind of Gmail plugin yeah. um, because obviously, you know, we work around the clock and I find it weird sometimes when I want to respond to emails at 10 p.m., and if you're promoting a good work-life balance and your talent person sending you emails at 10 p.m., that's not a great look. So no. I just schedule it for first thing in the morning at 8 a.m. Uh, but Boomerang is also great in a sense where it sends you reminders. So let's say this is a super strong candidate. Um, they're not looking for another three months. You can set it to Boomerang back to you in three months' time right on the that's spot. Cool. So bam, bam. Cool. And you forget about that person, right, at that there. point. So Very you're efficient. like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this person. Okay, hey, how are you getting on? So that's one of my favorite ones. Chrome add-on? <laughs> yes, it's a Chrome, no, Gmail add-on, um, Boomerang. So okay. if you use Gmail, it's... um. Because nice. I usually do a to-do list and just keep adding it. Yeah. And it's never ending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm old school. I just have my notes. Exactly. Just like plug everything into my normal calendar. Remi that's my reminders. Yeah. It, it serves <laughs> its purpose. Yeah. But Does the job. It just gets so long, like you said, <laughs> and it gets so overwhelming. You look at but it. Boomerang, I guess, is great from an automation perspective, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And I think if you're speaking to so many different people on a daily basis, it just mm. helps. And if sure. your ATS isn't as uh, sophisticated enough to remind you, then... So we've got these new call cards, haven't we? We do, yeah. And I put the questions on there, and I'm looking at them thinking, hmm, Steve, are you going to go next? Are you or not, am I going to go next? Are you not happy with your questions? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with my questions, <laughs> but I'm also like... What do... All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I'll, yeah. I'd like to jump in. Okay, go ahead. Um, what do you think people misunderstand about you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough question. I think normally I'm, I'm quite... Uh, zen and very diplomatic in in a workplace environment but I think one thing it's, it's actually when I'm dealing with say agencies right and it always happens when I'm starting a new role or at least rather the last two roles where there's an existing portfolio of agencies that hiring managers have worked with in the past so they'll be like oh you know I've already worked with this company they've worked, yeah. delivered XYZ so the first meeting with the agencies right um, I think they see this little me, little Asian girl. Yeah, let's just kind of bully her with the, with the terms. So I just usually stay quiet. But what they don't know is that I'm a very good negotiator. So <laughs> you just hardball them uh, during, 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 during the meeting and afterwards, and I always pull out all the stops. Like you know, we're a startup. We don't really have to afford twenty percent. But what we'll do is we'll go 
15% the first time. And if you make two or three hires, then maybe we'll consider 20%. So it's a kind of silent negotiation. So yeah. I think that's one thing. Um, do you, do you find that, because you said there, something that just triggered me in a bit, yeah. in a weird way, like you, this kind of stereotype. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you feel like you get stereotyped quite like the discriminated at work a lot? Yeah. Um, yes and no. I think I've been quite grateful in most of the companies I've been in. I've been, you know, in quite a supportive culture. But I think especially in TA and, you know, especially with our stakeholders we work with, i.e. agencies, it, it's filled with a lot of quite male, very dominant kind of male ego uh, type behaviors, mm. right? So I think when you're in there, they just assume that you're going to be super... Uh, well, that might be a pushover in that sense. And I think I start off that way, just kind of mm. let them, I kind of assess how they're going to react and then I kind of go in a bit later. But yeah, I do get that. Um, I was actually invited to a talk a couple months ago about microaggressions at work. Okay. And I was thinking about it. I was like, have I actually ever experienced microaggressions at work? And, you know, you, th you think about it, some I see in my colleagues, um, you know, where they're blatantly being told like, oh, you know, you're Asian, you, you do things a certain way. And apparently mm. that's a microaggression. Right, but it because it, you're yeah, used to I've it, it is, yeah. you, you don't question it. But I would say yes, I've, I've definitely, you know, you have this Asian trope, like, oh, you work really hard, or, you know, yeah. you don't take holidays type scenario. But yeah, I would say in my career, it's, you get that. Right. It's, yeah. it's a tricky one because I think, you, it, it, we're not, we're, we're human, yeah. right? And we're, we're not perfect, yeah. we'll never be perfect. Yeah. But I think in those circumstances, if people can take the feedback yeah. and, you give that person feedback yeah. who, who's talking in that way. Definitely, yeah. Then that you're actually helping them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had someone once say to me, um, "You should smile more because you're quite dark skinned." What? Yeah. No. And you come across quite intimidating. I think you should oh smile more because you've got a lovely uh, smile. I know. Yeah. I like thought that would have worked more. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, this is so annoying." Yeah. Like, wh why? What why do you mean? feel the need to tell me to smile more? Yeah. Absolutely, you can tell me. Like, yeah. you need to be more friendly. Yeah, you should be yeah. a bit more energetic. You know, people look up to you. Yeah, you're a role model. Well, I think it was the more the color thing. I yeah. just felt like it was a bit unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, there's so many people at work right now who think what they're saying is mm, okay. Mm. Um, who think it's appropriate to behave in a certain yeah. way, and it's like, how do you educate people to to, uh, to do that? Yeah, it, yeah. it's very. Is it, it, how can I put this? Depending on who your circle of friends are, mm. not your work friends, mm. if you behave, if you've grown up with, you know, different um, cultures, yeah. diversities, et cetera, mm. um, from a young age, yeah. I did. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was uh, very multicultural where I lived. Yeah. Um, and you get used to a certain way of how you talk to your friends. Yeah. Um, because it would be classified as banter within yeah, that, yeah, that, that circle. Yeah. I think some folks will take that further into their work mm -hmm. environment, mm -hmm. but they shouldn't. And, and I think they don't know how to kind of split that yeah, away. Yeah, it's tricky. And I think, I guess that's where psychological safety comes in, right? Because yeah. you know, at the FD, they do this really well. So they have like open employee listening sessions. Um, you know, you have certain employee resource groups go out and go, go on stage and with internally and talk about some of their experiences. So if you're able to say, okay, well, these are experiences and this is actually how you should approach it, you know, call them out on it at a time, say how it makes you feel. That's the whole psychological safety element, right? But I think you're right in the sense that, you know, you grew up in a very multicultural culture, but the reality is some people didn't, no, right? No. So is it their fault if they're coming to work and they're actually genuinely maybe just uh, curious, <coughs> right? What's the worst thing you've experienced in terms of discrimination? Oh, God. It, and this is in a work environment or a non-work environment? Either or. It could be either. Like, what, how did it make you feel? Yeah, I would say it was outside of work. Because I work, I think, you know, I kind of take everything with a pinch of salt, right? So when things happen, I, I'm quite confident to say, look, that's not cool. Uh, but I would say the worst thing, definitely, it was during COVID. Because, of course, it originated in China. Um, I'm from Hong Kong, now part of China. But uh, it was, I think, when everything opened up again. And we went to Whitstable, to have oysters. And because we were all wearing masks... Um, someone on the platform actually made a gesture, like, uh, you know, pulling their eyes up at me. And I didn't see it, but my friend I was with at the time actually said something. I called him a, you know, mm -hmm. a fancy word. And I looked over, I'm like, well, what happened? And he didn't want to tell me at the time because he thought I was going to be upset. But it was maybe a couple months later. I was like, what actually happened? He said, yeah, that happened to you on the train. Like someone actually 
outwardly made a gesture mm. towards you. And I, yeah, I think it made me feel really upset because obviously, yeah, I, I know it originated from China. You're, everyone's wearing masks, but why is it like aimed towards me? Mm. So I think that made me feel really powerless in the sense where, you know, it's something we're all dealing with, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on, on how, how that would impact me. And reading the news as well that week, um, on BBC, like there was also a Chinese student from UCL who got beaten up that same week for exactly from a group of, you know, other kids because of COVID as well. So I think there was just so much yeah. anger yeah. about, uh, you know, lockdowns and everything happening that I think people were just picking on Chinese people. And yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that just as a society as a whole. And I think there's now um, a group that's come out like anti-Asian hate and whatnot. And it's not just in the UK, like in the US as well. Yeah. And actually in the US are targeting elderly people, which is even worse. You know, these are people who can't even fight for themselves, right? At least with us, we're young. These are not happy people, are they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, there's something going on. Yeah, so yeah, I think that was probably one of the worst things I've experienced. Sounds yeah. horrible. That yeah. sounds, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean. Sorry to. Yeah, no, yeah, no. no. <laughs> and I was, I was glad I was with friends who were able to stand up for me because, yeah. and I didn't see what happened because mm. I think if I saw what happened, I genuinely would have just not known what to do. It's, in, it's interesting you talk about friends who could stand up yeah. for you because in the workplace, we now see a lot of focus on allies. Yeah. Um, and you're, you, I, I remember yeah. reading you're quite big on uh, D and yes, inclusion, yeah. L and D yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, can you talk about your journey on L and D uh, and DNI, how did that come about? Yeah, again, it's very much at the FT because you know, I think in my previous roles, it's very much you know when you're hiring, you're, you know, certain goals that you need to hit, and DNI was kind of always in the in the background and not not necessarily in forefront. So it was when I joined the FT, and I think as a talent person, you have a bias for action, right? You've right. got fifty roles you got to hire for, jumping straight into it, and. Uh, my manager at the time, who was a global head of L&D, was like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Actually, don't do anything yet. Take your time. Go speak all the stakeholders. Understand what we do here at the FT. Um, and then, you know, give us a recommendation and then approach it. I was like, wow, that's never happened to me before. <laughs> and I suppose because it wasn't a startup, right? Like, yeah. it, it wasn't, you know, yeah. the urgency to hire wasn't wasn't as, as, as strong. Which is, but, which um, is funny because actually... We, that's that's actually the approach that, that I think most startups should actually take. I agree. Take your time, think it through. Hundred percent. Give yourself space to think. Yeah. Like, because if you're going to rush and rush and rush, look what's happened over the last couple exactly. of weeks. Exactly. You know, exactly. Months. Exactly. And I think that's what we're seeing now. And you, when you join startups, you're like rocket ship growth, hockey yeah. stick growth. And the reality is, when you hire so quickly, what's going to happen? You know, like we're seeing right yeah, it's now. It's been going on for years, but yeah, anyway, it's, it's we'll, that's that's not what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. You know? um, so yeah, FT and. Uh, they were very big on on DNI, so I was very grateful. My role, whereas it was with HR, it was with product and tech, and my brief was to actually sit with product and technology teams. So I reported to a daughter line to our chief product officer, um, and she was a female, of course. And she said to me, "Right, our goal by 2022." And I joined in 2017, 18. She said, "I want." us to be a 50-50 gender parity organization by 2022. So by hearing that from why? her. Why? Why did she say that? I think, a well, we what? were part of something called the Tech Talent Charter, but it's a good question. Second, I think she just wanted to be able to move the needle. So, and we get questioned a lot, like, is it actually good to put a metric on things like this, right? Well, I'm I just curious to know whether or not it was a message from the CEO or. No, no, it was her, it was her. I think she just, because she was a senior female leader, she wanted to make sure the organization also, well, could be yeah. as represented. I've said possible. this, I think a metric, there should be metric yeah. quotas because like you're talking about hundreds of years of misogyny, yeah. stereotypes being ingrained into people yeah. and just trying to overturn it overnight by telling people, oh, you should do this. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and you look at a lot of the pl governments today, look at the US. Yeah. Like, have they ever had a female president? No. 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 And it's supposed to be the most democratic yeah. country in the sure. world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think there is stuff you just have to say, look, you have to do this. Yeah. This is a mandatory requirement. I know yeah. a lot of people don't agree with me and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. But I also think it also because uh, a product, don't forget, like FT, it's a business newspaper. Right. Sure. And you think about, you know, your end users, your readers. The reality is our population, like our readers are like, you know, maybe 48 percent female still. So if you're not represented itself in let's say the editorial floor within the tech team itself, how are you supposed to write articles that can resonate to your audience? Yeah. Right. So. So that's quite interesting what you just said there. So you had a power. The FT had a power where they could potentially use the content that they publish to attract 
more female talent into their organization. Yeah, yeah. So did they do that? They did because they. I think they had. Um, they had a particular. What you call it? Like not byline, but they had a particular team that was talking about you, like women and money. So okay. you know, during my time there, obviously I didn't work in editorial. I was seconded to editorial, which is you know great fun. But um, you know they were thinking a lot about like um, financial education, right? And you know women in negotiation. So there was definitely a focus on that. But um, yeah, just understanding who our users are and how do we build a team that can actually then speak to our what readers. was the end result by the way by the time i left by the time i left i think it was like 42 there was at one point it was 42 percent but then you forget there's also attrition yeah so when you're looking at the stats you're like oh great you know you're moving the needle yeah. and then people are leaving so it's always a, yeah, a um, success yeah. I mean, you, ch you 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 did yeah. move the needle right and you yeah. changed the the, yeah. the 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 balance yeah so I think that's I think that's still yeah. very well done. Yeah. But that that's on the gender side, and then you know after Black Lives Matter in twenty twenty and twenty twenty, you know we realized oh my god we don't have enough representation on the um, ethnicity level as well. So you know we started doing the work there to figure out okay well what can we do there to actually move the needle on on mm. ethnicity, socioeconomic background was another thing because. FT is EFT, you need to pay to read the FT. Um, what we found as well was, um, you know, if, if you lived in Tottenham, you can't buy the FT from your local off license. So if you can't actually access the FT in certain parts of the UK, then who's actually going to apply to the FT? Yeah. Are there going to be people of a certain caliber? I remember being a like, kid and walking into the news agent and I used to see the FT, orange, <laughs> you know, like, not, was it orange? Pink? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, coral pink. It was, it was, yeah, it was like kind of in between. Yeah. And um, I always used to sit next to the te Telegraph, actually. Yeah. Um, and I'd be like, what is that? Like, <laughs> Why is, is that, that an American, like, is that American news? I mean, I, when I was about 12 mm. or 13 mm. years old. And then eventually I actually bought and I started reading about it. And it was all about, and then I started reading about, that's actually how I started learning yeah. about the stock market. Would you want to work there? Um, <laughs> it wasn't. Of a, like the subject wasn't interested to me, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I but I can see why people would want to work there. Yeah, of course. yeah. Um, you, you know, you mentioned about social economic background. Yeah. It reminds me of um, a, a speech by David Wallace, mm. and he talks about um, an older fish goes past two fish, mm. and he says to the two f young fish, "How's the water?" Mm. And they look at him confused, and uh, they kind of f swim on. They're like, "What the hell is he talking about?" And then David Wallace kind of continues his speech. And the point, the central point is that a lot of our realities today are sometimes invisible yeah, to us. Yeah. Because the people like that, where you mentioned about the FT, um, if the people in the organization are in this echo chamber, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How, it's really hard for them to see like yeah. the problem that they're causing. Exactly. It's kind of, I don't know, imploding on itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting because we were about 2,000 people globally and tech and product, of course, you know, it, the attrition in tech and product in general in the market, if you get someone for more than 18 months, that's great. But in certain parts of the business, like editorial, uh, commercial, people never leave. They've been there since, you know, early days of the business. I think because we've moved offices, like our headquarters used to be in one Southwark Bridge and then we moved to St. Paul's. And then we were in one South Bridge for like maybe 38 years or something. I remember, yeah. In London, yeah, yeah and there's yeah. apparently people from editorial who was there from way, and we moved back to St. Paul's, which was our original offices back in whenever 80s. There's yeah. been people from the original office who went to one South Bridge and then moved back to the new office, nice. our old office. So I'm wow. there forever. So I was going to ask you, yeah. um, because everyone asks this question, yeah. you know, what's been your biggest failure and <laughs> what, uh, you know, and, and what did you learn from it? Yeah. Actually, I'm not. I'm gonna ask you something different. Okay. I'm gonna twist it around. What's been your biggest success? <laughs> Tell us about your biggest success. Uh, and again, what did you learn from that? Yeah, I would say I would, uh, it's my first in-house role at Yieldify actually, because I went from agency to Yieldify and I was initially brought on to support my, my head of recruitment and all the roles, but because I was so obsessed with all things tech and I actually wanted to build my own startup at the time, which I eventually did. but. When she said, I don't want to manage all tech and product roles, can you manage them? I'm like, yeah, of course, I'll take it. Um, and I had access to Hired. So at the time it was Sophie Edelman as a GM and Hired and she contacted me. I think Hired was just starting out. Uh, and she said, you know, we'll give you 50% discount on your first hire. I'm like, awesome, great. Go on there, um, contacted you know a couple of people and the first guy made the hire 50% off. So what, 50K salary? Maybe the first hire was like three or 4K. And he told me on the call, he's like, listen, like my company is not kind of doing um, that great. Um, I'm like, cool, um, can I poach them? He's like, you can give it a go. Um, and it was a massive collaborative effort. So 
uh, his referee at the time, who was a head of engineering, and I'm obviously calling him to get the reference for this candidate. And my CEO at the time, Jay, was like, ask him if he wants to join us. I was like, at the reference call. He's like, just do it. I was like, okay. So at the end of the <laughs> reference call, and remember, this, this guy's Greek, right? So he like, you know, used to be military and everything, just super uh, like, you know, like monosyllabic. So at the end, I'm like, do you want to join us? And he goes, you're kidding me, right? And he hangs up <laughs> the phone on me. But then we, um, we, as fate would have it, I meet him at an event a couple months later. And, you know, he's very different from his LinkedIn profile. I'm, we start talking and he's like, oh my God, you're Christine. I'm like, you're Yasin. Um, and then we end up hiring him as our, as our head of data um, at Yolify. So Lovely. that was him with him. But by the end, I think we hired eight or nine people from that team. Wow. Um, which if you think about the cost per hire, it was yeah. four grand to, to, pre to pretty much hire Brilliant. people. And this, this is like uh, DevOps, data science, um, VP, well, eventually head of engineering, he turned VP of engineering. So, you know, that was, pretty much like I would say an acqui hire if you kind of look at it that way but yeah and apparently my CTO um, who moved on to Shazam still talks about it <laughs> when he goes on like yeah Christine built that team Great story. <laughs> much yeah so that was that was my first um, you 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 dropped in there about you being an entrepreneur, and I forgot we forgot to mention. <laughs> actually, you are you have you you had a little early start, days, right? early days um, side hustle, yeah, side yeah. hustle, uh, and that's shout me when. Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, um, well, being from Hong Kong, which I mentioned earlier, you know, I needed a visa um, to, to to work in this country. So when I came back to do my masters, um, I knew I wanted to stay here. But at the time, I think Theresa May was was a Home Office Secretary, and she pulled the post study work visa. So right. I couldn't stay here for three years Thanks after I had three yeah, months yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was like oh my god yeah and then I was interning at my first agency at the time and they were too small to, to even sponsor my visa so I was like okay well I'm gonna figure this out what am I gonna do so one of the routes then was you could get a, a graduate entre entrepreneur visa funded by my by your university so I had this idea that was just kind of bubbling and I, I just pitched it to my my supervisor she's like just go for it see what happens and I pitched it and I got it. So I was like, oh my God, so now I've got to work and then I've got to figure out how I've got to like work out this this app at the same time. Uh, yeah. But thankfully, you know, I was ripe young age of 24, so I had a lot more energy than I do now. Yeah. So I'd be recruiting by day and trying to build this thing by night, um, which lasted for about two years. But Brilliant. it was, yeah, go on. Brilliant, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah, fun. That's amazing. It's kind of, um, you know, you've heard these, mm. there's loads of sayings with the yeah. great resignation, yeah. Mm. Yeah. quiet quitting. Yeah. And now there's this term being used. Uh, Taglines for everything. <laughs> yeah, I think it's called uh, career cushioning. Right. Have you heard of it? Which one was called? Career cushioning. Uh, no, tell me so more. So career cushioning is essentially having side hustle. Yeah. So in, quiet quitting is like you've given up. Yeah. Career cushioning mm. is keeping your options yeah. opening, having a second, third, fourth options, yeah. you know, mingling network yeah. events, side hustles. And, but it takes a certain trait mm. to do that. And yeah. you mentioned earlier, yeah. like you're, you're energetic, but I think there's an element there that inside you, you have to have some uh, personality traits that really help you mm. succeed. And, and it's clear you've grown, right? Mm. You've grown from where you, uh, when you started to now being head of talent and media and taking on more work like media and everything else. Mm. What do you think is the most important traits for mm talent acquisition professionals or people in general yeah. to be successful? Yeah, well, I think in, in talent specifically, uh, two things. If we're looking, um, I would say like conscientiousness and resilience, right? I think conscientiousness is one thing because, you know, you have these roles, you have to fill it. It's not like you're working in an agency where you're saying, okay, you know what, I can't fill it, forget about it. But when you're in-house, you're dealing with your stakeholders all the time. So if you can't fill it, like what, what are you going to do, right? Um, and then I think resilience is another, like you, you, like people say no to you all the time, right? Yeah. And and I think even the reality is in this market, people will sign the offer and they still don't show up anyway yeah. down the line. So, you know, at some point you got to navigate all this, uh, yeah, this murky yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. So I would definitely say resilience is, is the number one thing, especially right do, now. Do you feel like that still applies to people joining the industry as well? So new recruiters listening to this right now, yeah. what kind of advice would you give them if they're, is it the same or should they be, doubling down on something else or yeah it, it's 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 hard and i think starting out in talent you really have to know your craft right and i, I think if i didn't you know actually do the full 360 in the beginning so when i started an agency i was uploading cvs into an ats you know it was just very kind of manual admin work and the reality is if you haven't done all the different aspects i feel like you actually can't be a leader right because there are times you know when, when my last role i managed a team of two if they can't 
like source and you have to jump in and source and actually teach them how to do it. Mm. So I think it's really important. You understand all the different facets. And you know what? I still upload my own CVs now. I still, you know, go through and clean up all the data and tag everything myself. But I think so, it's very important yeah. to be, uh, me personally, yeah. you know, I'm still very hands-on. Yeah. I think it's important to be hands-on yeah, so that you can experience sure. what does that what does that whole candidate journey look like? Exactly. Right? Yeah. How can you tweak it, improve yeah. it, yeah. you know, and get and, and make it better for the company and yeah. also for the TA team. Yeah. So actually, you know, it is important to be not just purely strategic, yeah. even if you're in a Agreed. talent uh, director role. Yeah. But you do need to be hands-on. Yeah. Things change. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, you you've obviously like myself, I, you you've run very large teams yeah. before. Yeah. I what, what I, I feel like Jap mentioned yeah, this as well, yeah. like having the breadth of knowledge yeah. mm. and having knowledge on how to do each element of yeah. the role mm. of talent acquisition yeah. is super important. Yeah. I think as you get more senior, the less reliant you are on prior experience, yeah. the more it's about asking the right questions, yeah. making sure people are um, aligned to a vision, a yeah. goal, and you hold them accountable. Yeah. But if you're growing in your career, I mm. definitely believe like just owning your craft mm and really owning it, doing mm. the 10,000 hours and becoming the master in mm. at least one field mm. is super important, as well as learning more. Like if you're a sourcer, for example, yeah. I think, you, like personally, if I was a sourcer, I'm not gonna try to learn how to do employer branding straight away, yeah. b unless I'm v already very good at sourcing, yeah. Yeah. unless I already know some techniques, like unless I'm confident enough Agreed. to stand in front of people and say, hey, this is what sourcing is. Mm. And if I'm still learning about it, trying to drop that and learn something else, I feel like it confuses the mind. Yeah. What characteristics do you think then in that, that someone needs in order to be able to do that? I, I genuinely think recruiters, you have to have really thick skin. Mm. Like you have to be able to take feedback mm. and you, you're always in the wrong. What about curiosity? <laughs> That's true. Nothing you do is right. right. Or you could do better. Yeah, but what about <laughs> curiosity? For me, yeah. being curious actually is probably like number one or two yeah. for me. When I, and, and I love when I'm interviewing people for my team yeah. and I have done, you know, many, many times. Yeah. I want to see how curious they are. Yeah. Because that if they if they are curious, they will be they want to learn more. Yeah. Right. And they want to improve more. Yeah. Um, and, and be genuinely interested mm. in their job and what they do on a day to day mm. basis. Mm -hmm. yep. Definitely. Because that's how we develop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What, what's your biggest fear? <laughs> Yeah. In a professional element. Yeah. I, oh, mate. I, I think t it happened, right? 2020. Um, you know, when, if our roles are purely hiring and companies have pulled the plug on hiring, i.e. hiring freezes, um, whose roles are first to go? Ours, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And, you know, the FC, we're quite a big um, talent acquisition team and product and tech was first to stop with the freeze. So I was put on furlough um, for three months. So I think that was a first taster of... <gasps> Okay, if I've only been to your, at that point, I've only just been doing peer recruitment, right? What do I do next? So that's when you got to start thinking, okay, is it where I pick up other skills? Looking at L&D, looking at yeah. coaching, looking at other, other parts yeah. of the employee life cycle. So I think that's my biggest fear is. So looking back on that, actually, yeah. what skills do you think you could have developed before you'd gone into yeah. FT to, to secure yourself? Yeah, I definitely I would say I wish I because I've been just purely doing more TA elements and I, we always had an HR um, business partner in every role I've been in. And I kind of wish I've maybe went more on the other side. Um, and I think that's why I took this role because it's a full 360. I know either way I'll be okay because I manage the yeah. uh, employee life cycle. So I think, you know, as a pure talent person, you definitely need to flex your wings more than just TA and look mm. at other areas. It could be processes, it could be people systems, it could be employer branding, it could be anything. So that's yeah. my, yeah, no, that's sure. my advice, yeah. So you've been working in the industry for 10 years now. Yeah. Um, do you, did you have someone to look up to? Did you have a professional mentor yeah. that, that helped you? I, th I think throughout different stages, I had different people. And I think, Steve, you were actually my first. I don't know if you knew it, <laughs> but I think that's also the thing with, <laughs> with, with, with mentoring. I swear I did ask you, He's Steve, would you be my mentor? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, no, because I think it was when I was in Yieldify, you were at Critio at the time. That's so right, yeah. we were operating in a really similar space. And the community we were in at the time, everyone was just starting out and trying to build things. So I remember you were giving me lots of really good advice. I'm like, Steve, like, and I just call you anyway. So I just like, how do I deal with this? Um, but when you go through different stages in, in your career, so I think when I was with the FT, it's a much bigger company. 
Um, you're learning more about influencing others. And I've never really been in that scenario before. So my mentors were really more internal mentors. Now, it's funny we talk about mentors because you also have sponsors. Yes. And I didn't really see the impact of that until I went to the FT because I didn't realize till coming out I had two sponsors in the FT who um, would put me, well, and I ended up in these different scenarios like at a leadership program or having dinner with Nikkei who was our, um, our, 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 our owners. And I realized it's people from the top who suggested, okay, get Christine to go to these things. Okay. So just yeah. for the audience listening, yeah. so it's like a sponsor is? So a sponsor is someone who actually is not actively your mentor. So you don't go to them for you know day-to-day -day questions, but there's someone who actually vouches for you when you're not in the room. So they're like an internal ambassador for yeah. you, essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're, shout they're shouting about you. Yeah, when you're not in the room. When you're not there. Yeah, and yeah. you don't know it until you're yeah. in the scenarios and you kind of think, oh my God, like how did this happen? And you Your ears are burning. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> it uh, reminds me of that last episode where we talked about the kind of uh, performance image and exposure, yeah. Yeah. having yeah. exposure yeah. to. So, uh, how do you get exposure to those leaders in the first place? Uh, it's I think when you're in a bigger environment, right, and and you know you you're in these massive HR meetings and whatnot. It's actually speaking up, and I really struggle with that with with the self promotion element because I always come from the camp of your work will speak for itself. But the reality is when you have so many people you need to when when the opportunity presents itself you always take it so i would go up and talk about you know challenges and product and tech hiring and whatnot so people from the other side who might not necessarily see you might go oh okay she kind of knows what she's talking about mm. so I, I i think my my advice would be yeah always at any opportunity shout about what you're doing because i think with our work especially in talent you're like oh yeah people will see our hires and that's it like people you can see our you can see our output but there's so much work that goes on beyond that and especially work in dni yeah. right people go oh you're hiring just another white male again you're like well actually we're doing all this work in the background we're posting on this we're partnering up with these communities like they don't know you're doing that until you talk about it have you heard and i think you'll like this yeah. steve have you heard of this concept called uh, the luck surface area mm -hmm. So there is a I have heard of it. The Lux surface area. Well, I use this yeah. technique right yeah. now. Yeah. So I join a call yeah. and I'm with you and you yeah. know, I'm like, How are you? I'm like, I'm amazing. Mm. And the first thing you're like, Why? Yeah. Shock yeah. <laughs> so and I say when I give you some a carrot, I'm amazing because I've just finished all my hiring for the year and yeah. I've got one month left. Yeah. And what has happened in this conversation is I've just shared information with you. Nice. You've requested it. Yeah. You now have a perception of me. Yeah. You leave the call and you mm -hmm. say, well, um, Yas is really happy. Yeah. Why is he happy? And what it does is it increases uh, your luck uh, because what happens is you're getting more people thinking positively around you. Yeah. Yeah. So when they need someone to rely on, when they need someone to go to for support, they're yeah. thinking, well, he, I know he does his job well. Yeah. And I know he uh, has achieved well. It's a yeah. effect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I like the positive side of, of things as well, because I guess everyone at work is always stressed about something. Always negative. Yeah. Always. So if yeah. you're coming at it from a positive angle, yeah. like people want to go to you anyway. Yeah. Default. How many yeah. times have you asked someone, how are you today? Oh, you yeah. Know, Busy. No, no, no. You didn't ask that. I asked, how are you? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, people, yeah. people don't really yeah. know that how to answer that question. Yeah. Because it's not, again, it's not normal for us to go, oh, I'm feeling amazing. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it triggers it's, it's yeah so I love that. It's different. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we go to a candidate and say, hey, I got this amazing yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, screw you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is it, right? Being yeah. authentic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. 100%. Agreed. Um, I'm looking at you and you're looking you're at looking, me. You're looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. I want to do this, yeah. right? So we, we put together okay. a this and that. Okay. Right, and so we're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Okay, yeah. no pressure. You've got to choose which one. So I'll go with the first three. All right. So straight uh, straight on to it. Would you rather uh, <laughs> instantly become a successful startup founder or instantly become a CEO of a major company? Ooh, I would say startup founder. As you already know, I tried to kind of build my own company. Um, so definitely that, because I think I'll scratch that itch. Because I think for the latter... You got to think about like change management, performance management, influencing. You're inheriting a team, Correct. so that's yes. going to be a lot trickier yeah. to manage. Nice yeah. change okay. management. I'm glad you mentioned. Yeah. That. <laughs> Would you rather always sit by the printer or always sit by the water cooler at oh, the office? Oh my god, I would prefer to be by the water cooler, but I'm always by the printer. <laughs> How about okay. that? Um, be the best in the world at a skill or a job of your choice, yeah. but have no work-life balance. 
or be mediocre at work and have a great work-life balance? Uh, it's, at the moment, I would say mediocre and work-life balance. But I think my answer would be different if you ask me. Okay. All right. My turn. Yeah. So, would you rather work an extra hour and get two hours of break time or work with no breaks and leave the office an hour early? I would say extra hour and two breaks. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? I don't, because I, you, you can, you can, your friends can always meet you whenever, exactly. like, right? So I'm not, I'm not too fast. It's not like I'm in a situation where I've got kids, <laughs> so I'm not there yet. <laughs> um, okay. Would you, oh, this is quite a good one. I okay. like this one. Um, I forgot I wrote it down. Okay. Would you rather live 10 minutes away from a mediocre job <laughs> or commute two hours to your dream job? We won't say where you live at the moment. But can, is it a hybrid dream job? Oh, well. A remote? No, no, no. That's <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's fully, <laughs> fully in the oh office. Oh, my yeah. God. It's a dream job. Like pre-COVID. Jesus, I, would, Pre-COVID. I would say commute to the dream job. Okay. But I'm very lucky because I've now got my dream job and I walk to work and have Yeah, yeah. you got it both. Basically, <laughs> you've got the, the best of both exactly, worlds, right? So, Amazing. Yeah. That, yeah. that warrants a pay rise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And because um, the thing is, our chips are named after um, different towns, of, like, not towns, different areas of London. So our first ship was called Bloom our, our second ship is called Hoxton. So I'm, our second ship, when I launched, I just moved to this area. So my boss is like, are you just moving everywhere where our chips are called? I'm like, yeah, why don't you do that, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Okay, and finally, um, would you rather get paid a year's salary at once or get paid in installments throughout the year? Ooh, I would say installments. I don't trust myself with um, like a big fund in one go. What would you do? I want the money now. <laughs> uh, there's a great question yeah. that I get asked, and it's similar to yeah. this, which is, um, would would you rather have uh, three thousand pounds per month or per week per, per yeah. month for the rest of your life, yeah. or would you rather have one million pounds now? And I'd much rather have the one million pounds now because I can make an impact with the, that's yeah. my kind of investing yeah, side. Yeah, yeah now, exactly. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, I'll put 50 grand here, I'll put yeah. 50 grand it depends on It depends on how entrepreneurial minded you are, right? Yeah. yeah. If you know if you know that something is, if you know an industry that you know that you can make a return on, yeah. then of course you probably would take that money and I think especially you know in this market, like no, in a bear market, you know, you can uh, do it. But do you know, you just touched a really sensitive subject about money. Yeah. Go on. And during an inflation time, right? Yeah. yeah. If I were to give you a hundred grand, what would you do it? You you are a very savvy individual, so let's give the. the I can't listeners. give too much away. I, mean, <laughs> I don't want everyone doing the same thing. This but I but I would advice. say that during. Yeah, this is not <laughs> by the way, <laughs> but I'm red banner. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that now is a great time to invest. I agree. It, the the downturns are yeah. the best time to yeah. invest and start companies. Um, and potentially start companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, but you need to, it takes a lot of time and research yeah. and and if you're not a if you're not sav not not savvy but if you're not used to doing it yeah. don't do it yeah don't do it learn but don't do it yet mm-hmm. uh, you know it happens every 10 years yeah. you may not be able to invest now heavily yeah. but in 10 years time actually 8 to 10 years time you'll be able to you know use yeah. that money yeah. um if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Investment I advice. Tell, I can tell you yeah. that. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, there's always opportunities. Yeah, and, okay. and that's it. It's about how to spot the opportunity, yeah. which people do. Yeah. I hear some great stories. Yeah. You know? Next thing you do, we're inviting people to a WhatsApp group, sending the signals. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? We, I think we're, we're very lucky we work in tech because I think we see the trends a lot. So if anyone yeah. like invests in let's say tech stocks, like I think we see everything that's happening, so mm. you should ha- be able to make it's an educated always, It's guess. not always about tech stocks, that's the thing. Everyone yeah. thinks that you're gonna make a lot of money yeah. from tech stocks, yeah. but actually when you look at the tech stocks, they have a much faster decline yeah. than others. Yeah. Than FMCG or uh, um, oil and gas, yeah. you know, like much quicker. But that's yeah. because they have more FaceTime on news and media channels, yeah. like the layoffs, for example. Yeah. They're predominantly layoff yeah and so that we know of yeah yeah and that we know of but Mm. when you speak to others in the other industries Mm. it's not as bad yeah no still bad but it's not as bad and i think with tech companies it's very much the market stock markets are really much just like how people feel right yeah it's not always an accurate indication of how well a company's doing yeah um and that's why it's so risky to invest in stocks if you're not used to it don't know what you're doing and yeah so don't do it (laughs) 
So what should they do? Should they be investing I'm not telling in you, themselves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to find out? Like I said. <laughs> the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Become a sponsor and then... Uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe we'll <laughs> FT. No. Yeah. Hey, um, they're listening maybe. So, you, so you managed, uh, you, you're managing people, you've managed people in the past? In the past, right? yeah, yeah. Not at the mo- I mean, at the moment I've got like an office manager, so in a way it's very interlinked, office experience, people yeah. experience, uh, but yes, in the past. And how do you manage, the, like, how would you go about managing teams now considering that there's so much demand yeah. um, at work mm. from the workforce, mm. from their employer. Mm. And, you know, this kind of almost expectation of like, you need to be teaching me new things. You mm. need to be helping me. There's a lot of recruiters out there, mm-hmm. for example, who want to learn more, mm. don't have the opportunity, mm. but I just feel like, well, I'll leave and I'll go so and so. Have you ever experienced that kind of? Thankfully, no, because I think my, my, my previous team, um, either you got you hire recruiters who are already really autonomous and they know what they're doing. Uh, but when I was AFT, the first one I got was a coordinator and then I had someone seconded to me from um, actually marketing, became an employer brand person. So I had to kind of teach them from the ground up. I guess that might answer your question. I think we're very lucky in our ecosystem. There's so many events and conferences and just free webinars and whatnot. So as I mentioned earlier, either you you teach them, right? You you source alongside them and you get them to listen on your calls, go to all the debriefing meetings and intake meetings, like get them to, to do the whole cycle with you. Mm. Or you get them to go to conferences and actually network with other people. Because I think for me, actually, it was actually joining the community and seeing from other companies and what they're doing got me more motivated. Because mm. you don't realize if you're a solo kind of recruiter what you're not doing until you speak to other people. Yeah. Right. So that might also be your curiosity. Uh, yeah. Thank God it. we do live in, a, in, a, in yeah. an age right now where yeah. there is so much content and you know so many reach outs that we can do yeah. um, where people are much more open minded than they were before. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's much more of a sharing caring approach yeah. now than it was back in the 80s yeah probably. but i think this might go back to your curiosity element if you hire someone that's curious by nature you say okay well this is totally give them the foundation and they yeah. should be able to go off and figure it out right yeah um, you kind of have to manage expectations yeah as well, don't you i think there is an element where as you grow in your career yeah. you become a manager yeah managing expectations is like this the most important skill yeah. there is because there's always going to be this kind of internal conflict between teams mm. I always find that interestingly TA teams tend to work really well with mm. each other but then th- as soon as it goes to like people admin yeah comp and ban or yeah. another team it yeah. starts to become a bit us and them yeah yeah yeah, yeah we got that segregated yeah, yeah. and it shouldn't be really and no. you think of it that way you're like you're getting the talent in and really the retention part goes with HR you should you've all got the same that. goal exactly why aren't you doing it together yeah. but I think people just want to you know there are some groups that like to stand out a yeah bit more and it's always a TA team's a bit yeah. more extroverted I, though I have this <laughs> recent um story where my son and my two, I've got three kids. Yeah. So my youngest and my oldest tend to fight. Yeah. Uh, or they'll argue with mm. each other. And um, I just, I started to use this thing where I said to him, okay, to my oldest, yeah. do you want to pour <laughs> water on that? Or do you want to pour petrol on it? <laughs> and uh, the kind of really visual, this visual Thank element, you. he's like, uh, water? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So, so like, what is water? Yeah. He's like, well, I'll just say sorry. And I say sorry. And I, I remember reading it in a uh, newsletter yeah. by uh, Sahil Bloom. Yes, I cu- love Sahil Bloom's the the content. Amazing. Con- uh, so I good. I think it was from him. Yeah. And, and now I've started to adopt it at work yeah. where, you know, I'm telling people, I'm like, hey, look, I know you're frustrated, yeah. but would you rather put water on that yeah. or petrol? Yeah. And it's such a great visualization for individuals to realize, okay, actually, let me step away. Yeah. And let me see how I'm going to approach this situation. Yeah. I feel like expectation management, especially when it's like within teams or yeah. with other teams, you kind of have to constantly find ways to explain to people. Yeah. Like, you know, what are you trying to achieve? Here? Yeah. I think you also run the risk. I, I've been teams in the past because I think as recruiters, everyone knows what their goals are. You're very operational. And sometimes you run the risk as well. I've done it this way and everyone else I know does it this way. But if someone else doesn't do it that way, you'd be like, well, what, 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 what am I missing here? But that's where the whole learning and coaching part comes in, right? Again, it's kind of like, well, it's not their fault that they haven't learned that particular way. Like, it's up to you to help them get there. Yeah. And I, I've seen teams kind of disintegrate so quickly because you have maybe people have been historically in-house and then you've got new agency recruiters who are very go, 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 mm. go, right? So already that kind of creates a very different dynamic mm. um, because the in-house teams, I think, places more emphasis on, you know, stakeholder management, looking at data, whereas the external agency recruiters are like, well, we got to place these roles, right? So yeah, how do you kind of manage 
that dynamic as Would well. Would you say that you're a creature of habit? What <laughs> habits do you have? <laughs> uh, what, work? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, if you look at my calendar, it's color-coded. Uh, so I'm maybe a little bit OCD at work, okay. <laughs> potentially. Um, the habits I have, I would say I try not to do any... OCD or organized? Uh, <laughs> uh, borderline OCD, but I would okay. say organized now. Uh, in the morning, I try not to do any calls, just focus on like more strategic work. So that's my red on my calendar it's like no calls at can all I, can i can we see i want to because i've got something i want to show you and i think yeah we suddenly are what are matching. you using what are you using uh, uh, i'm you i know you've downloaded some super app no like look the, look at my color oh, there app. you go yeah so that's what it looks that. like so purple is fun time oh there yeah which way am i going that way we, i just yeah, use the color coding so green is my free time green's free time yeah, yeah. purple's mine and then yellow is like calls or yellow is at least things i need no, I need to go into and you know. So yellow is contribute. my commute time. So I've got a quick story then, actually, about that because I've always looked at different approaches to building habits. Yeah. Right? And you know that can be from downloading apps. Yeah. Various different types of calendars. Yeah. Um, to a diary and, and yeah. more. Mm. But what I do is I will employ like methodologies when building habits. Mm -hmm. So if I spend thirty minutes for thirty days. Mm -hmm. I would build a habit. Mm -hmm. But yep. more recently, I came across a new methodology mm -hmm. that is actually very obvious, but you don't you don't see it. Yeah. Um, and I think it might just actually really be a, a strong key to building new habits. Mm -hmm. um, and it's called the two-day rule. Okay. So it's called enter the two-day rule, basically. Okay. Um, and it's a, it's a realistic approach to consistent progress um, that I first learned right uh when i actually watched a video um matt uh matt Deva matt, matt Develo. Mm. i think i said it right matt Develo. do you know uh, matt I have, I have no um but it's a two the, the two day rule is is basically yeah. very simple um with whatever activity you're trying to make progress around um you don't allow yourself to take off more than one day in a row mm. interesting calorie counting <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask, what like is the that. habit? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was the first thing that came to mind. Was like, okay, I, if I'm gonna calorie count because I'm trying to lose the weight, yeah, do two days, and if I get off, I make sure that I can go. do that. I can See? do that. Yeah. I like that. But it's all it similar. Works. Like I do. I'm like, have you heard James Clear's Atomic Habits as well? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So it's quite. Like, I have something called a, it's an accountability tracker. So yeah, it's like ten thousand steps a day, etc. But it's quite similar, right? Like you do things for thirty days, and then. But they do say if you slip up one day, don't be too hard on yourself and just get back in it the next Correct. day. But I think that's the hardest thing is the day you slip and then you go really hard on yourself. And you're like, you know what, I'm not going to do it when you go to the gym. <laughs> you know, if, you, if, you, if you're a consistent gym goer, yeah. that one day can really break your cycle. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then yeah. suddenly that one day turns into three months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, winter's the hardest, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I love Christmas. I find like the hoodie weather is great. Too. Snuggles, it's called yeah. it, uh, what we call it in our house, like snuggle time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah, love a hoodie. Do your companies have uh, branded hoodies? We do. Uh, we have a uh, branded everything. Yeah, sure. yeah Fresh has got like everything. Yeah, so, are you expecting something? Well, we are. That's why I'm wondering. <laughs> like, and, and is it a Patagonia hoodie? Like, we're, we're we're just really tied on what what kind of hoodie we want to get, and we can't decide uh, as a brand what we are. You know, I I don't know. I I'm I'm, I'm conflicted with swag yeah. because look I, at a pole. I, I worked. Uh, Everyone loves a pole. Um, a company called Zalando. Yeah. And they're very focused on sustainability. Yeah. I think actually pretty much my entire career has been focused on sustainability, yeah. right? I mm -hmm. even did my dissertation on nice. um, uh, the fashion industry being sustainable. Yeah. And I feel like swag for me, I feel I'm slightly conflicted. Mm. I understand the benefits for it, but mm. I feel like the fast fashion, it's wasted. Yeah. I'd much rather be able to say, look, everyone, we didn't want to get you brand new swag, so we got you vintage stuff. Nice. And yeah, we printed on it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, not everybody feels great. the same yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting you say that, because I read an article actually just the other day, um, a startup, I forget the name, maybe Ghibli or something, Focus on Gen Z. Okay. And they were saying actually Gen Z um, talent are not expecting company swag or even conference swag. I think the title was, is conference swag, you know, um, the gone out of the days of conference swag. So instead of um, actually buying swag, what the company can do is put the money into this company and the company will then invest in kind of various things. So you then have this badge on your website saying, oh, we're part of this Ghibli program. So rather than 
buying company swag. We're now invested in Recycled hunting a tree or something. <laughs> but I like the recycled yeah, swag idea. But I I think sometimes I just want a hoodie. I think it was, uh, I can't remember the chap's name. He was doing a presentation at one of these events and he was talking about a company called Newton. Yeah. Mm. And they found that the swag that like career fairs yeah. was just being taken yeah. great and then you go outside and it's it's all, all around the bin yeah so what they did was they created like they got this van and they gave out like twenty five thousand coffees chocolate chip cookies yeah and those people appreciate it. yeah it's like come for a coffee leave with a career yeah and it was a great slogan yeah well you know it's not swag yeah but it would be really clever if let's say for instance i don't know this kombucha had a hella fresh logo on it yeah Right, yeah, that'd be sure. pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think that kind of stuff would be it's much more subliminal. Yeah, it's in, it's, it's, I find swag great you can recycle but it. for about five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's you know, yeah. swag. Swag is very. And please send us lots of swag. But, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. You know, yeah. I like actually. I do like how it's evolved. Mm. So like recently, I started getting lots of these um, Tide uh, chips, not chips, like. T um, what are they called? The, the tied, uh, no, not the USB. It's like tracking oh. things, which is great because if I lose my bag or something. Oh, oh AirTags. Like, they're like AirTags, ah. but they're called Tied. I think it's Really? Tied. Yeah. I have not heard Tile, of Tile, sorry, Tile, not Tied. Oh, yeah. You put them in your suitcase and stuff. You can put them in your suitcase nice. and everything. They're okay, great. I think you need one. And actually, I find that really useful. Yeah, I definitely yeah, right? need one. Definitely. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Useful swag. Basically. Yeah. Basically, yeah. iPads. Uh, <laughs> you know. Laptops, MacBooks, monitors, SLR cameras. <laughs> Basically, build out my office for me. Yeah. Yeah, we'll send you a chair. <laughs> an ergonomic chair, I'll take. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know how important it is to have a yeah. big chair? Yeah. yeah. Very important. So, <clears throat> we're coming up to the end of this yeah. episode. We are. And, um, Which is sad. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, likewise. Great. It's uh, funny, isn't it? It's time just flies I know. By. Yeah. You don't realize. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Um, we'll definitely have you on again. But before <laughs> before uh, we kind of get to the end, I guess yeah. um, Steve asked this very important question yeah. last time. Now we're going to ask. Okay. Cassie, what has been your most embarrassing moment <laughs> in the recruitment space? Oh, my God. Uh, you know what? I think it's my first ever, ever hire ever in the world of talent. It was when I was working in any agency. And because I think I mentioned first three months I was doing ATS uploading, so I wasn't actually even on the phone. So I finally got on the phone, you know, made my first hire, like everything all kind of worked out, super excited. Actually, I think the candidate was from Critio, but was in Critio in the past. So, you know, that really kind of narrows the field. And I was so excited. I'm like, great, first ever hire, everyone's kind of celebrating. And I don't remember what happened. Something happened that um, it turned out he actually didn't work there anymore. And it, it and um, the the hiring manager was like, can you can you just figure out like what's happened here, yeah. you know? So my manager at the time was like, okay, let's give him a call, maybe give him a chance to explain, right? Because he, the candidate was all like, oh, I've already handed in my notice, um, all's good. So I remember asking him like, what even happened? They're like they try to counter offer me like this whole shebang. So my manager's like, maybe he went to another role or consulting another company, but ask him specifically, is he did he hand in his notice at Critio? <laughs> And I asked that, and uh, he's like, yeah, 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 like that's what happened. And I think my, apparently my whole face just went red. And I've never, you know, bear in mind this is my, my first foray into talent world, and I was like, oh my God, what'd I do? So I was like, look, this is really awkward, but uh, they know you haven't worked there in a while, so I kind of need to explain oh, to no. them what this gap, well, according to CV, it's not in your CV, yeah. but I need to explain to them, and he was just fumbling on the other side. Oh no. Um, and I was like, look, you just have one, or just tell me what happened. And he's like, yeah, well, I actually left last year and I've been doing other things and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, well, I wish you told me this earlier mm. because now it makes me look bad. It makes you look bad. Um, and yeah, of course they pulled the offer. So my first ever offer wasn't even, um, didn't even go through, but I think again, that's the resilience bit, right? Like if that was my yeah. first ever cool. experience, then it can only just go up from there. I but feel, yeah, that was really I feel bad. like there's such an important lesson there. Yeah. I always feel like in, like honesty is the best policy. Yeah. You've always said this to me yeah. as well. Like, yeah. whether yeah. it's bad or good feedback doesn't matter. Yeah, always got to be honest. Like, and we're on your side, right? Exactly. Yeah, like we're not trying to. I like, think that's <laughs> candidates sometimes they yeah. feel that you know because we've been a candidate, right? So yeah. I think they feel that we're against them. We don't yeah. want them. It's not about that. Yeah, yeah. Like let like, us we know. Wanna, we want to help you. Yeah. We're giving you the you know whether it's negative or positive yeah. feedback. We're giving you this feedback to help you yeah. progress next time. Yeah. Right, because we do maybe we still want you in the future. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so I that's also that. feel like as you get older, 
honesty is always the best policy. When you're younger, you're trying to trying to keep people happy. You're trying mm. to tell people what they think yeah, what they, they want to hear. hear. Yeah. yeah. And as you get older, you realize that actually it's easier just to like let people make that decision yeah. for themselves instead of trying to influence yeah. certain important decisions yeah. like that. And then giving yourself the opportunity to explain yourself. Yeah. And I always find like, have you ever noticed some people will answer a question in two ways? They will say, you'll ask them a yes or no question. Yeah. And they won't say yes or no. They'll explain and then say the answer. <laughs> or they'll, and I always preferred the yes or no. Yeah. Justification. And, yeah. And they have to, yeah. Ju- everyone has to justify yeah. their response. But they always yeah. start with the justification. Yeah. That's so annoying. Yeah. So like, okay, Just get my, to answer's, the point. my answer's at the end. Yeah. I don't want to listen to that uh, Although actually my kids, you know, they're, they're 9 and 11. But when I ask them, when I ask them a, qu- a question, and again, similarly like yes or no, they don't feel like they have anything to prove. <laughs> so they'll yeah. just give you a yes or no answer, <laughs> but with no justification. <laughs> Mate, you're lucky, my son. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing, no? Issa yeah. just goes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never get the why. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah Straight to the no. point. That's it. Yeah. We'll I like that. What I'm doing now. I like that. You know, that, that's a good skill to have. I think being direct. Yeah. Well, they haven't. They haven't been corrupted yet for the working <laughs> life. That's probably why they don't feel like they need to prove themselves. Keep it that way. Keep it that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as long as you can. Yeah. Look. Thank you so. Thank you much. so much. It's thank been you. amazing. Yeah, likewise. Um, we've really enjoyed this. Yeah. yeah it's great. Really yeah. We really enjoyed this. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. if you have, please again, you know, like, share, so please subscribe, and um, comment very important we really really would like to hear feedback um from uh, from our listeners yeah, let us know what you think uh, what we should be covering next time in our yeah. next episode so until next time until next time we are excited all right bye, bye. bye. <laughs> great